So the reading comes from uh, the second letter of Peter. You can find it on page 1,223 in the, the blue church Bibles that should be somewhere in front of you. I'm going to be reading uh, the first part of chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Good. It would be great if you turn to that passage, please. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3. If you haven't got it, please have it in front of you because it's really important, not what I say, but what Peter writes in this letter. So please turn to page 1223 if you haven't got it already so that you've got it open in front of you, please. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. We're doing a series uh, of going through the whole of 2 Peter uh, in the end of July and August in five chunks. And this evening is chunk 4. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And the title we've given it, you can see it right at the top of the screen there, is Godly Living in a Godless World. If you've become a Christian, if you've turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, you believe he died on the cross for your sins, then you're so grateful to God, you want to live for, for him and with him. You want to live a godly life with him at the center of everything, don't you? But it's actually quite hard to do that because we live in a godless world, a world that often lives as if God didn't exist, as if God wasn't even there. And Peter's writing his letter to help his first readers then and to help his readers now to live godly lives in a godless world. If that's what you want, then this is exactly the right place to be uh, as we look at 2 Peter chapter 3. The whole letter is about godly living in a godless world. <coughs> I made an offer a couple of weeks ago um, 
about um, um, some of my books that I've written because we talked earlier in this letter, in chapter 1, about how the fact that the Old Testament is true and the New Testament is true. And I said that sometimes I'm very lazy about Bible study and I don't read the Bible. I read the Bible on Sunday and then I read the Bible next Sunday and I don't read it at all during the week sometimes. I'm lazy and maybe you're like that too. Well, I think this is a great opportunity to make a decision to start reading the Bible again, to start studying the Bible. And I want to offer three books. Um, I've offered them two weeks ago and they all went. I offered them last week and they all went. I'm offering them this week. This is the last time they all went, although they haven't gone yet, but I hope they will go. That would make me very happy. Uh, they are free. This is the Luke experiment. You could read for 10 minutes in Luke's Gospel, read what I say about that passage in Luke's Gospel, then pray and go into your day. This is the Acts experiment, does the same thing with the book of Acts. And then this is called Read Mark in 30 Days. You could read, uh, there's a suggested passage from Mark's Gospel to read at the top of each page, uh, and then you read that, you read that passage from Mark, and then there's a few things that I've written about it to help us to understand uh, that bit of Mark's gospel. So the books are here. They're down on the front chairs here. It'd be lovely if they went again. They will definitely not be available next week. So if you want a free book, um, then this is your opportunity. This is your last opportunity. I just need to say I'm puzzled that the books have gone. I'm very thrilled that they've gone two weeks ago and last week. It may be that some of you are taking books and trying to flog them on eBay, but I haven't checked, and you won't get much of a price for them anyway. Now we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anything about you that you're embarrassed about or a bit ashamed of? brief pause for you to think. I think that there, I think many of us have things like that. I, I thought, I need to share an example in my life. I don't want to share something that's too embarrassing or too serious, um, but something that a, a lot of people don't know about me is that I can tap dance. And I can sense from the reaction of people here that it's a reason I should feel embarrassed. The reason I don't tend to share it with people that I can tap dance, I'm not a good tap dancer, of course I'm not, but I have tap shoes and I can tap dance. The reason I don't share it with people, the reason I'm embarrassed is that I'm always afraid that people will insist that I tap dance and I don't want to do that. I'm 71, I'm too old for this game. So, but maybe you have things that we're ashamed, you're ashamed of or you're embarrassed by. Sometimes, I'm ashamed to be a Christian. Sometimes I'm ashamed to tell a neighbor or a friend that I follow Jesus. I'm embarrassed to tell you that. It's wonderful that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and if we've turned from our sins and put our trust in Jesus, we should be open about it. And when God gives us the opportunity, we should tell people that we're followers of Jesus, that we love Jesus, that we trust in Jesus. 
Let's have a look at this chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Just have a look with me at verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets, that's the Old Testament, and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through, through your apostles, that's what was going to become the New Testament. And there's actually a clue there to the structure of 2 Peter. This next paragraph may not interest you at all, in which case switch off. But I think the structure of 2 Peter is really interesting. In the middle of 2 Peter, you've got chapter 2. We know that God will judge. There are false teachers in the church and God will judge them because they don't believe the gospel. They're not proclaiming the gospel. That's in the middle. In chapter 1, the first half of chapter 1, we know that growing is important. It's important that we grow as Christians. Second half of chapter 1, we know that the gospel is true. Then we know that God will judge in chapter 2, the false teachers. Then the beginning of chapter 3, we know that the gospel is true. We've just seen that in verse 2 of chapter 3. And then the second half of chapter 3, which we're going to look at next week, is about the importance of growing. So it's growing, the gospel is true, God will judge, the gospel is true, the importance of growing. You can switch on again if you, if you find structure things really boring uh, and you were, you'd switched off. I think it's really interesting. It's easy to remember what, how, the, how, the, how the whole letter is structured. So here is Peter saying at the end of verse 1, he wants us to think clearly. Do you see that at the end of verse 1? And verse 2 is Peter telling us how we can think clearly about God, about ourselves, and about our world. We will think clearly about God, about the world, and about ourselves if we let the Bible affect us. The Old Testament and the New Testament. What the, what the prophets wrote, what the apostles wrote. So that's why the Bible is so important. It's why we need to be reading the Bible, spending time letting the Bible affect us, asking the Holy Spirit to use the Bible in our lives. So we're going to look at this passage now. This passage I've called today, we know that Jesus is coming back. There's a link there with chapter 1, verse 16. Chapter 1, verse 16, Peter wrote, For we do not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. That word coming is talking about the second coming of Jesus. Oh, are we all clear about this? There are two comings of Jesus. The first time he came as a baby, and he grew up, and he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again, and then he went back to glory. The second time Jesus comes is a coming in glory. Human history will end. The world will finish as we know it. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. There will be a day of judgment. So there's a first coming and a second coming. And this passage is about all that surrounds the second coming of Jesus. There's going to be a judgment day. The heavens and the earth are going to be changed. That's why the title is there, We Know That Jesus Is Coming Back. This passage is a bit like 
Last week in chapter 2, it's about the false teachers. This is about the false teachers. Have a look with me at what, they, what they're like. Firstly, in verses 3 and 4, what they say. What they say. Verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing. Well, what else are scoffers going to do? Scoffing and following their own evil desires. Scoffers means they're people who say it's not true. It's not true. It's a joke. Peter's talking about the false teachers again, and they're saying the gospel's not true. Last week, I summarized the gospel like this, who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Who Jesus is, he's the eternal son of God. Why Jesus came, he came to die on the cross for our sins. And the scoffers say that's not true. That's not who Jesus is, that's not why Jesus died. And the scoffers also say that they don't believe in the second coming of Jesus. Look at verse 4. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. God isn't going to do anything dramatic. God isn't going to intervene. God isn't going to end human history. Jesus is not going to come back. It's not true. Scoff, scoff, scoff. And Peter says that's going to happen in the last days, verse 3. The last days is the whole period between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. So we're in the last days now. And there are scoffers around today, not just people who don't believe in God, people who say, say that they are Christian leaders, but who say who Jesus is. No, he's not the eternal son of God. Who say, why Jesus came? No, he didn't die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus is coming back? No, he isn't. Look at verse 4. Where is this coming, he promised? You say Jesus is going to come back in glory. Well, where is he? That's what the false teachers say. They said it in Peter's day. They're saying it today as well. Secondly, about the false teachers, what they forget. They forget something. Have a look at the beginning of verse 5. They deliberately forget something. And then look at the beginning of verse 8, but do not forget this one thing. There are two things, two things about God that the false teachers forget. And they are two things about God that all of us need to remember. Let's look at them. Two things about God which we need to remember. Firstly, in verses 5 to 7, God is powerful. God is powerful. Verse 5, well, I need to say, before I read verse 5, Peter does something now. He looks back at the book of Genesis again. He did that in chapter 2. If you were here last week, you might remember that. And he mentions two things in, in, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, which show how powerful God is. And he's going to say, if God is so powerful that he did that, then it's no problem that he's going to say, Jesus is going to come back in glory, there's going to be a new heavens, a new earth, there's going to be a day of judgment. Do you get it? God is powerful. 
So the first example is in verse 5. It's creation. They deliberately forget, these false teachers, that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. God created the heavens and the earth. And you notice in verse 5 it says that he did that by his word. Do you see that? It's there in the middle of verse 5. God created by his word. So powerful is God, he speaks and it happens. I think you can finish this quotation for me. I'll start it off. You finish it off, please. God said, let there be light, and there was light, exactly. God is powerful. He spoke words and the heavens and earth came into, came into existence. That's the first example. The second example is the flood. Verse 6, by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. The flood came. God was powerful. God decided to send a flood. God is powerful. And now Peter is saying because God is powerful... It is no problem for him at all that Jesus is going to come back in glory, there's going to be the judgment day, and there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Verse 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. In other words, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. There's going to be a time when the heavens and earth are going to be changed completely because God is going to intervene in human history. That's when Jesus comes back. There's going to be a day of judgment, the end of verse 7. And there's going to be a day of punishment, the destruction of the ungodly. Now, the false teachers forgot that God is powerful. Do you get that, that it's saying here, what Peter is saying? God is powerful. I hope you will remember this. God is powerful. The second thing that the false teachers forget and that we need to remember is that God is patient. It's great that both these words begin with P. It makes it easier for me and easier for you to remember them. God is powerful and God is patient. Have a look um, in verses 8 to 10. But start, let's start with verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. God is patient. What Peter is saying here is the reason that Jesus has not yet come back in glory, the reason human history has not yet come to an end, is that God is patient. We'll look at verse 9 again in a minute, but look at verse 8 first, please. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God's reckoning of time is different from ours. We think it's been a long time since Jesus came the first time, 2,000 years ago. It's a long time, 2,000 years. For God, it isn't. Just a moment. God sees time differently. And look at verse 10. The day of the Lord, that's the day when Jesus comes back, will come like a thief. Now, what does that mean? What it means is that Jesus will come back unexpectedly. When a thief wants to break into your flat and steal your stuff, he doesn't phone you 
and make an appointment. He doesn't phone you and say, hello, uh, you don't know me, but I'm a thief. I plan to steal your stuff this week. It, how would Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock do? He doesn't do that. He comes unexpectedly. And this is what Peter's saying here in verse 10. He's saying, Jesus is going to come back unexpectedly. We, won't, we will be surprised when it happens. That's why we need to be ready, always ready. Jesus could come back at any time. Have a look again at verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements, that may be a reference to the planets, but we don't know, will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Human history will come to an end. When the writer of the play gets onto the stage, the play is finished. When Jesus comes back in glory, human history as we know it will stop. But it's not happening yet because God is patient. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Please look at the end of verse 9. It's wonderful. Here is the reason Jesus has not yet come back in glory. God is giving us time. He's giving us time to repent. He's giving us time to make the decision that we're going to repent of our sins, turn away from our sins, and put our trust in Jesus, his son. He's giving us time. He is patient. Please notice that at the end of verse 9, it says... God wants everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. In other words, everyone needs to come to repentance. Everyone needs to repent. And the reason everyone needs to repent is because everyone is a sinner. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're a sinner? That sometimes you live as if God wasn't there? It's true of all of us. We're all sinners, but we have a way of dealing with that. We, we compare ourselves with other people. If you find someone really bad and compare yourself with them, then you think, well, I'm not really a sinner. I'm good compared to them. But if you compare yourself with Jesus, then you will see you're a sinner. It's true of all of us. Sometimes we live as if God wasn't there. Sometimes we deliberately do things that we know to be wrong. Uh, sometimes we make excuses. We say, well, it was a pressured situation. It was the pressure from my family or pressure from my friends or pressure from the people, from the people I, I share my flat with. And it was because of the pressure, I said that and it was wrong. And I did, or I did that and it was wrong. We blame the pressure, but that's, not, that's just an excuse. All of us here are like a lemon. Imagine I'm holding a lemon in my hand now. When I squeeze the lemon, when I put pressure on the lemon, sour juice comes out. 
But the, it's not the pressure that's made the juice sour. The pressure has simply made visible what was always in the lemon. Sour juice. And when Andrew Page, that's me, is in a pressure situation and I say something I shouldn't, or I do something I shouldn't, the pressure has simply made obvious what's, already, what's in my heart. I'm a sinner. I'm not saying we're all as bad as we could be. Of course not. There's lots of good things about us. But we are all sinners. Everyone is a sinner. And, the end of verse 9, everyone needs to come to repentance. And my question to all of us this evening is, do you believe that you're a sinner? And have you come to repentance? Have you said, I'm going to turn from my sin, all that I know to be wrong in my life, and I'm going to put my trust in Jesus, who died on the cross, so I could be forgiven? Have you made that decision? Have you done that? It's the most important thing, decision you can ever make. To come to repentance, to say, I'm going to repent of my sin and I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. This is a fantastic opportunity for us to do that this evening. If we're not sure, maybe you know that you're not a believer. You're not a believer in Jesus. You've never done that. Maybe you've got questions. Well, find someone. Ask your questions. There are answers. But maybe... You think, I think it's true. I think I am a sinner. I think Jesus did die on the cross for our sins. But I'm not sure I've ever repented. I'm not sure I've ever turned from my sin and put my trust in Jesus. Well, why not do that this evening? It would be a great thing to do. And if you're already a Christian, if we're already believers in Jesus, we know we trust in Jesus, then let's, let's realize again God is patient. He's giving people the opportunity to turn from their sins and put their trust in Jesus. Let's be ready to tell other people the good news, who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Who Jesus is, he's the eternal son of God. Why Jesus came he died on the cross for our sins. Let's be ready and let's not be ashamed. Let's not be ashamed of Jesus. This is the best news in the world. This is good news for everyone in, the, in England. It's good news for everyone in Papua New Guinea. It's every, good news for everyone in every country around the world. Let's not be ashamed. Jesus said... If anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Sometimes I am ashamed of Jesus. Let's not be ashamed. Let's make the decision tonight. I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready. I want to ask God for opportunities to tell other people the good news about Jesus, because it is wonderful to know that we can be forgiven now and forever. And to know that after we die, or after Jesus comes back in glory, we will be with him forever on the new earth. We'll talk about that more next week. 
Oh, it's such good news. So let's believe it. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Let's trust him. Let's follow him. And let's look for opportunities to share the good news about him with others. Let's do it this week. Let's pray. Just a very brief silence. If there's just one thing that has struck you this evening, then maybe talk to God about that in the silence. Or maybe you just want to thank God for the good news. Thank, thank God that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, that he came to die for our sins and rose again, and that he is coming back in glory one day. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your great love to us. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus, your son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came into this world. Thank you that you lived a perfect life. Thank you that you died on the cross for our sins and you rose again. And thank you that one day you are coming back in glory. Father, we pray for those of us who are not sure whether we've ever come to repentance. Thank you that you are patient. You're giving us time. Help us to repent, to turn from our sins, and to trust in Jesus, your Son. And for those of us who already trust Jesus, we pray that we will not be ashamed or embarrassed that we trust Jesus and love Jesus. And we pray that we may be ready to tell other people this great good news about Jesus, his death and his resurrection and his coming again in glory one day. Father, we give ourselves to you. Please take our lives and use them for your glory this week. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.